let running be whatever it needs to be for you. Don't try to pigeonhole it into like, well, my neighbor is a marathoner. I need to be that. Screw that. Mm -hmm. Do what you need. Go out, run for your mental health. Go out, run for your just health and fitness and and weight, whatever that might be. Um, Let running be to you what you want it to be. And don't let anybody else influence that. Hey, everybody. This is Nikki Tamburino, and you're listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast the show that explores the why of running for people who love to run. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nikki Tamburino and Maybe Running Will Help for all the latest inspiration from our guests, information on how Maybe Running Will Help, and how you can use our sport for personal development in your life. Today, I'm speaking with elite ultra runner Don Reichelt. He recently ran 250 miles in his longest run yet but it was his multi-record-breaking 24-hour treadmill run that had me the most curious about his special kind of crazy. In this episode, we cover what makes people like Don capable of the hard to imagine and why they do it. We also hear his advice for anyone taking on their version of hard and why we shouldn't let anyone make us feel like running needs to be anything other than what we need it to be in our lives. This conversation was so much fun. And I even learned the difference between a manual and electric treadmill. (laughs) Who knew? Anyway, I hope you find this episode interesting and inspiring. Now let's get started. All right. So Don, hi, welcome to Maybe Running Will Help. It's so great to have you here. How are you doing today? Good, Nikki. It is exciting to talk to you, get to to talk something that I love with uh, with a new friend. So basically on the show, it's called Maybe Running Will Help. And I just like to talk to people who are doing amazing things in the running community to find out, um, you know, their story. Everybody has a story, I feel like, why they started running and um, why they continue to run and, uh, you know, how running has helped them in their life. So I saw Uh, many, many things. You actually do like so many things. I don't even know where to begin with all the things that you have done. (laughs) I will say that what prompted me to reach out was your treadmill. um, What do I want to call them? Like records? Um, Because I personally uh, loathe the treadmill and will do anything. Like I will run in basically any weather to not run on a treadmill. So we'll talk a little bit. uh, I definitely would talk a little bit about that. But and I, I think what happened is I, I saw like um, social media and about the uh, the 250 mile race you just did, right? right? So that was just, that was less than a month ago? Yeah, it was just the uh, first of May started. So we're just, wow. you know, 23 days removed from starting that. Okay. And is that the furthest you've ever run? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I went into the great unknown there. Okay. And this is what, the Coca Dona? <laughs> Coca Dona 250. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, okay. uh, you got it. It's, yeah, 250 <laughs> miles from just, just a little bit north of Phoenix. And you run through some of the gnarliest Jeep roads and not really even trail trails to Flagstaff for 250 okay. miles. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's like, that's insane. I signed up for a 100 mile race. No business whatsoever signing up for it. Um, it was called the, uh, rabid raccoon. And I think I mainly mm-hmm. signed up for it because of the name. I was like, Oh, that sounds badass. Like I'm going to do that race. And then as it got closer and closer, I realized that I had no idea how to train for an ultra. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, I, I don't, I kind of don't want to die. So I like backed out, but, um, 
but to, I can't even imagine 250 miles. So is, would you, is that like the hardest, uh, I guess, race or challenge that you've done yet? I mean, it, it, it really depends on how you define hardest. I, I uh -huh. you, you, you mentioned the treadmill thing, right? I think the treadmill thing was the hardest thing I've ever done mentally. Um, oh, yeah. just cause you're on a treadmill for 24 hours and, um, physically it, it, it was interesting because your, your, your effort level is lower cause you're running for so long. And so it wasn't like I was ever at that red line. So I, I would say even like my 13 hour hundred was probably harder just to maintain that high level. Whereas like, 250 it's just it's hard it's probably the hardest thing i've ever done now that i just said that because of all of the little things you have to worry about the sleep element the the, the batteries charging for three nights the like there's just so much that goes into it meaning there's just so much that can go wrong and it just requires such a different level of attention to detail to ensure that you're going to let's not even worry about successfully just surviving it right <laughs> there's just yeah. so many things that you have to focus on so it's just all things considered and then coordinating a crew and and making sure i had the support that i needed that like it's just it required more physically mentally emotionally spiritually you name it than like any race or, or, or challenge i've ever done I, the question that i was thinking of is like what what kind of hard like one like do you think I don't know, stresses you out the most? Like, is it the physical hard or is it the logistical and like having to like have a plan and all that? Like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because it's definitely evolved for me. I, I'm a runner. I, I love to run. If I can shut my brain off and run, that's what I'm good at. That's what I know how to do. And I, if I can just run, I can run. Like that is easy. Um, doesn't like anybody that knows how to run running is easy. It doesn't matter your pace. Like, like we're literally just running one foot in front of the other, looking for tents in the wood that has snacks in it. That's pretty much <laughs> the easiest thing you can imagine. Um, like the, 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 the logistical side of it is it started off in my career really hard, but I am very blessed to have my wife who's like the world's greatest crew chief and helps me coordinate. And so I've been able to just kind of push that element off on her. Oh, nice. And like, I, I obviously I have a great group of friends that'll pace me. I had six different pacers during the 250 mile race that, that ran with me, that spent time with me on the trail, three of which that ran like 50 miles. So, um, it, like that element started off harder and it started off really stressful. Like, Oh my gosh. And then, then you realize more and more, the more you do it, the more you know how to run. And even if that support isn't there to the level that you might want it to be, you can still run. Um, having one great person that can, that, you know, no matter what they're going to be at that next aid station that can give you a pat on the butt and say, go get them. Um, that, that is, you know, really valuable. So that kind of took, knowing that I have that in my corner, it took that stress off of it. Right. And so it's like, as I've evolved, I've learned that there's nothing inherently hard about ultra running. It's just once you stack all those things together, it becomes hard. And I've, I've said it multiple times on multiple different conversations that my only, literally my only elite trait is my mindset and my, my mm -hmm. mental toughness. And so it's like, I can, I can handle 
250 miles of running when everything hurts and all I want to do is curl up and cry. I can keep running forward at an elite level. I can stay on a treadmill for 24 hours when I'm in more pain than I've ever imagined in my life. And all you can think about is that pain because you're staring at a freaking wall <laughs> and I, I can just convince my brain to keep moving. And, and so hard is it, it's such a, I, I know I'm kind of like really uh, doing some gymnastics with this question, but <laughs> it's it, it hard for me is, is, is something like I don't want to do the easy thing. That's hard to me. Like I, I don't mm. want to, I don't want to sign up and, and just take the easy way out. That would be hard. I want to, I want to do races that I know are so far outside of my wheelhouse that I might fail. I want to do the, the Coca Donuts of the world that are 250 miles. I want to do last year that that was cruel jewel, which is 106 miles with 33,000 feet of climbing, like totally out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I, I prefer flatter, faster courses and i choose to do these really really hard things because that i don't know any other way like i want to i want to put myself in a situation that i i'm either going to fail or i'm going to learn or i'm most likely to do both so um i, I didn't really answer the question no hopefully you got a brain dump from me anyways so a couple things like i of course want to know where this comes from where you think this comes from this desire to like challenge yourself and do the hard thing and I also want to talk about like for people that aren't doing ultras, people that are just starting running because heart is relative, right? I mean, it's my heart is different than your heart and somebody just starting out their heart is different than what I would consider hard. So I definitely want to make sure we touch base on that too. So, so to somebody that's like, you know, just starting out to run their first 5k or, and when we're talking about hard, like what kind of things do you have to say to people like that? Like how, like, how do you get through like your heart and like how, yep. what are, what's some advice you have for people like to, to like accomplish these goals? Yeah. I think the most important thing that I'll tell anybody is, is don't compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 10, right? I've been doing this for a really long time. You can't be like, oh my gosh, he can do this. He can do this 250 mile race. I'm, I'm new to this. Like I'll never get there. That's, that's a losing mindset right off the bat. Right. Um, the only person you can compare yourself to is yourself from yesterday. And so if, if you just take that mindset of saying like, okay, how do I get a little bit better um, day by day? Like, I don't, I don't care if that better is running, running your first mile without walking or even just walking your first mile all at yeah. once. Like that is fine. Like that's amazing. And that should be, that should be celebrated. If you couldn't do that yesterday or last year or two years ago, and you can do it today, Hell yeah. Celebrate that. Absolutely. That is exciting. So, um, you know, just, just take yourself and be realistic. And, and the other big thing is, is know where you want to end up and have just a, you might divert and you can change goals a million times, but set a goal for yourself. Um, and then create a plan. Um, I've, I, I say this to a lot of the athletes I coach that, uh, you know, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Because if yeah. you set a goal and then you don't create a plan for yourself, well, you're just like, what are you doing to take action of it? So the best advice that I have for new runners or anybody that wants to to maybe even level up that, hey, I've done a 5K, now I want to go do a marathon is, is just be realistic with yourself, set some goals and just be, be honest with your growth and only compare to to yourself and don't look at other people if other people are getting faster or losing weight faster or, or doing more races who cares like if you love it and you're experiencing joy and growth then you're amazing so what i always think about right because i tell my athletes i'm like okay you know obviously don't compare yourself to other people but then i get into this thing too because as i get older as a runner i start to look back at when i started running 
and compare myself to my past self. And I mm -hmm. think that's can be troublesome too, because, yes. you know, I'm not the same person that I was then I'm getting older. And like, so how do you, what do you think about that? Like I, you're, you're young. Yeah. I'm sure you're still like making gains and stuff like that. But when it gets to the point where you get older and you're not anymore, how are you going to deal with that? And looking back and being like, Oh, I just want to get better than yesterday. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I think, and that's where it kind of, we can get into this gymnastics again, as better as relative as well. It's like it better yeah. doesn't necessarily mean faster. Right. Um, better just might be I'm, I'm wiser or I can appreciate more. Um, I I've definitely learned in my career that there are some days that I can take the watch off that I'm just going to go out. And my goal for that run is to count how many birds I can see. Like, I don't care if I run, you know, seven minute pace, nine minute pace, 20 minute pace, whatever, like success on that is going to be, I'm going to go find 10 birds. And, yeah. and, and so that, like, if I can go do that and I can come back and at the end of my week, I say like, damn, like I had a couple of runs that I'm fulfilled more than any watch or any training peaks account could ever tell me that's, that's a new success for me. Like I'm, I'm learning a new level of enjoyment for running and, and it's not just, you know, put your head down and hammer. Um, yeah. and so I, I think it's, it's, it's learning how to redefine success when the clock might not be saying what you thought it used to say or what you think it should and and it's hard it's really hard i coach some athletes that are um that are kind of in that area i'm, I'm pacing a guy at hard rock this year that had a really great late race last year and he's had a, a tough and he's pushing 50 and he's dealing with it and and you know what i think first of all it's okay to to kind of mourn your your previous fitter <laughs> self just be like dang like i was a i was a savage back in my day i'm not there anymore <laughs> But you know what, like redefining what success looks like is the only way that you're going to continue to be successful. And just like nobody, nobody but Jeff Browning can, can be super crazy elite into their fifties. That guy is, you know, an anomaly. He's a freak. He's amazing. Um, but being honest with, with what success is and just finding new ways to define your joy versus just saying the clock is, is the only thing that matters. Um, okay. So now let's go back a little bit. Um, how did you get started in running? Like, did you run in college? Like where did running come into your life? So it's, it's actually an interesting story. I ran in high school. Um, I wasn't great. I never broke 20 minutes in a 5k in high school. I, I was an okay track runner. Um, but I hated my coaches. Like really didn't, they, they did nothing to, grow the passion of running they were more drill sergeant styles mm. um not friendly humans and i didn't develop a joy of running um i i ended up going to college and not running at all i, I walked onto the crew team at university of iowa and i rode four years of crew um so i had some athletic outlet and then my when my senior season was done i actually put on a ton of weight um mm. i i was rowing at like 165 pounds on the on the lightweight team and i i remember weighing in at 199.8 pounds and thinking like wow i need to get back to working out and doing something now that i'm you know not not so i bought a bike uh started riding and my buddy convinced me to do a triathlon and i was like okay but i saw this thing on tv called an iron man we're gonna do that like, cause I, I've always had this like go big or go home mentality of <laughs> if I'm going to do something like, let's make it hurt. Like, let's, let's do the thing that most people can't do, or let's do the thing that I might fail at. And so he's like, you're an idiot. Sure. Let's go. <laughs> so we did an Ironman. I did a couple of Ironmans 
And then I woke up one day and I realized I actually just, I was living in Chicago at the time and I had just moved to Boulder um, with my company and Boulder, Colorado is like the most incredible trail Mecca in, you know, outside of anywhere in the world. And I was training on the roads for an Ironman and I'm like, what am I doing? I, I don't want to be a road athlete. I want to get in the mountains. And so I had a little bit of a mental breakdown, but like said, screw it. I'm going to run on the trails. I paced a guy at a hundred mile race and I said, this is amazing. So I signed up for my first hundred mile race, like on the spot and having never run more than the longest I'd ever run was the marathon in an Ironman. And I was like, oh. screw it. Let's do it. Let's do a hundred. Um, wow. but I didn't just sign up for a hundred. I signed up for the entire Leadman series in Leadville, which is all the biking <laughs> and the running. Um, again, yeah. go big or go home. And right. I, I was successful, but I, I almost failed. I was back of the pack in that hundred and that lit the fire of like, this seems like one of those sports that you don't need to be inherently talented at. You just need to outwork <laughs> the guy next to you. Uh -huh. And that's kind of my sweet spot is not really being super <laughs> talented, but being willing to just, just like dig and work harder. Yeah. And so that's kind of putting me on the path to where I am today is just every, every race that I've done successfully or every event that I've gotten into has just been the product of being willing to sacrifice and work harder than, than most people. Where do you think that comes from, either for you or for people like you? Like that, just like, I mean, is it a competitive thing, or is there? Do you have siblings? Like, is is there anything you can point to that? I mean, <laughs> like that? it's probably a, a couple of sessions with my therapist that we could probably figure this out. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I was the slow, fat guy and out of shape guy in high school that I was just never never a popular kid i was in the band like i i just i i was never looked at as an athlete and so i think i've just probably deeply ingrained that feeling in my life of mm. like he's not an athlete just so so i just i, I take that and I, I let it drive me to work harder and and now that i'm you know I'm pushing 40 i'm 37 i'll be 38 in a couple months and um like we have, we have the beauty of Facebook where I can see all my, all, all my old friends that have, <laughs> you know, put on a few LBs and, and aren't, aren't very fit and, you know, unhappy with their careers. And I, I, I just get a little bit of satisfaction, <laughs> uh, knowing that I'm out here running, you know, at an elite level. And, uh, it's, I don't know, I, I don't know if that's it, but that's definitely a, a component of it that, um, it, I just, I, I like the hard work. I like the grind. It's also, to be totally honest, running hard is an escape from real world problems. Um, right. I, I work a full-time job. It's, it's stressful. It's, it's challenging. And sometimes like I, I can go out and I can either run to choose to, I could choose to run and think about nothing and just like, I'm going to not think about anything for an hour. Or if I need some to solve some problems, I can go out and run um, for for a couple hours and solve and work through and come back and have a solution to a problem. So um, yeah. I, I I just I don't know I I have developed this deep passion for running and being fit as late as I can in my life to to maybe shove it up the butts of other people that <laughs> um, thought I was out of shape and not an athlete back in the day. Do you ever go to uh, like high school reunions or anything like that? Just like show up. So my look they're like medals or something. My 20 year <laughs> reunion will be next year. And so that's it's been in there the back go. of my mind. Like <laughs> like maybe I'll I'll show up. Yeah. I, like a you know, go get a fancy fit suit that you know, like damn, like this dude uh looks a lot different than he did in high school. Right, right, right. So 
and I've read this before that um, running and maybe it's specifically endurance running, there's like three stages to it. I don't, maybe you've heard this too, but um, you know, first you do it to prove yourself to others, then to prove to yourself and then finally to like find yourself. And so yeah. in your experience is that, do you find that is pretty much how it is going for you? I do. I, I, I think I'm, I'm definitely in that third phase right now where um, I'm, I'm, I, it's probably a hybrid of those second two because I'm I'm proving it to my future self really is as how I think about it because I know at some point in my life I'm gonna go on my last run and I, I probably won't know it at the time and like I this this like deep emotion and I, I get emotion when I talk about this because it's it, it's sad to think about that at some point I'm not going to be running anymore and that could be because I get injured or I'm just old or I get hit by a car or I just don't wake up. And there's, I mean, there's so many things that you can look at that I might not be running. So I'm, I'm running for the day that I wake up and I can't run anymore. I don't want to look back and say, damn, I wish I would have pushed a little harder or I wish I wouldn't have been so lazy and taken an off day. Like I, I let that kind of motivate me and drive me to, to push a little bit harder on days that I maybe I I don't always want to go outside. Um, I, I did, there are days that it's like, dang, like, it would be really nice just to kick up my feet, drink a beer and do nothing today. And then I'm like, okay, well the day will come when I can no longer do this. And today's not that day. So I'm going to go out and do it for the day. Like the future Don that can't run. Um, yeah. I owe him, I owe him that honor of running today. And, and so that's kind of where it's like a hybrid of some of those of like, it's no longer for the people in my past and stuff like that. Like I've, I've proven what I've needed to prove there, but it's, it's for me knowing that I don't want to look back and regret days that I didn't say yes to an adventure or go up and do something really hard or live my life out on the trails the best that I could. So I, I recently was thinking about how when I started running, it was um, more of like punishment. Like I just was at a low time at my life. I thought that um, I deserved to like hurt and be in pain. So when I, when I first started running, it was really about like just like punishing myself. And um, as you may figure, that's like actually makes for a very good runner. <laughs> um, so it's <laughs> like, you know, you're just like, uh, there's, there's something to like, you know, just kind of like getting through pain and then actually like seeking it out. So I think yeah. that's in the beginning, what kind of like, maybe kind of good at it. Um, but then it starts at, when you're good at it, it kind of makes you like, feel like proud of it. And then your self-esteem grows. It's just like this magical, like crazy phenomenon totally. I think, with running that happens. Yeah. And it's, especially these longer and longer races, it's almost like you're, you're seeking that high of, of the pain and misery that it's like, okay. And then I, I mean, again, there's, there's some stuff to work out here with a lot of runners and, and professionals, but it's like, you're seeking that pain. And like, what do you, so why, why are you trying to feel so badly? Are you like, suppressing <laughs> stuff in the rest of your life? But, but right. I, I do that. Right. Like I, like, I'm like, yeah, it's like, this is what I paid my money for. This is why I'm here. Like, this is, especially when I get like everything hurts and I feel like I just like, the body like you don't know how the body can keep moving you're like yes like this is what i was seeking this is why i'm here is to learn that no matter what you put in my path like no matter how miserable i feel or how much pain i'm in how hungry i am how how many hallucinations i'm seeing oh. cocodona like nothing is going to stop me from moving forward yeah. and i can now take that to the rest of my life and be like mm, you know 
crappy day at work, rough meeting, uh, boss isn't happy. I, if I could get, if I could overcome severe pain, misery, nausea, hallucinations, sleep deprivation at, at this race, I, I can overcome an angry boss. Like that's, right. that, that stuff becomes easy. It's, it, yeah. It's almost like you're trying to like, come and come and get it. Like you got, you, there's, you got nothing on me. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah you, yeah, you definitely seek at, seek the challenges out. And that's, I, I mean, going back to Cocodona, like yeah. 250 miles presents new challenges and new things for me to have to overcome. And that's where that, that race became really appealing. It's like, okay, what am I going to experience that I'm going to learn something about myself and my ability to overcome something I didn't expect at all? And, you know, I got that much and more out of that race for sure. So, um, Okay. I'm like looking at my outline and I'm like, but I have other questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so with, you know, doing the, the 250 being your longest race and like that, like obviously was something that you, a new challenge you set your mind on, like, where do you go from here? Like now what, like, yep. how do you, how do you raise that bar? So I'm getting back immediately getting back to kind of what my bread and butter is. Um, so, so one of the reasons that I did Cocodona and Cruel Jewel is that I, I never wanted to just find my niche and stay there. And like, I didn't want to burn myself out doing the same thing that I was good at. I think that's boring. The reason mm -hmm. I got into ultra running, right. Is to find really hard things that challenge me. And so Cocodona and cruel jewel the year previous, they were two very, very hard races, very far out of my wheelhouse. Um, the one thing that cruel jewel and Cocodona have definitely done for me is reinforce like, okay, I actually do really enjoy running flat and fast. Um, I enjoy doing all this other stuff too, but all I could think of at the end of Cocodona was like, man, I can't wait to get back to training, like what I'm really, really good at. Um, so it kind of just, it, it reminded me and it relit the fire to train flat and fast. So what I'm doing next immediately is, um, I'm flipping that switch again. So I've, I've, I've run a 13 mile, hundred miler. Um, so one of the few Americans to go under eight minute mile pace for hundred miles on trail. Holy shit. Uh, um, and so I, uh, I am getting back to that. So I have Kauai 50 at the beginning of August, and that'll set me up for Havelina 100 in October, where I'm going to try to flirt with uh, a new PR. I and you're, it's so funny. You're sitting here talking about flat and fast, and I'm like, oh my god, he's going to do a marathon. He's going to do a marathon. And you're talking <laughs> like 100 miles, like insane. Well, you I talk mean, about we talked about this at the beginning, right? Is like pain and and is like what people like is different. I, I hate marathons. I hate five K's. Um, it's like, would you rather be punched in the face by Mike Tyson <laughs> once, or would you rather me punch you in the shoulder for an hour? <laughs> and it's like, I would rather the shoulder for an hour than just to get flat out punched in the face by Mike Tyson. And so yes. it's like, how do you, how do you handle pain? And I, I would rather the slow trickle of pain versus the intense crazy. And I think marathon is a sprint. Like I, I've never been more in more pain in my life. I've done one marathon competitively okay. in my life and not even competitively. Yeah. I did it at the end of a hundred mile week just to shut up a road running buddy that trail runners went <laughs> fast. And so I jumped in and I, I, I ran a 245, but I couldn't walk for like 10 days. It was the most painful I've ever been in my life. Like, like any hundred mile, even the 250, I was walking fine 36 hours later. Um, the marathon was by far the worst. Oh my God. That's so funny. So now I know how to get to you to do anything. It's just give you a hard time and like get that fire. Like, lit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to, you want to, here's, here's a funny story for my first ever hundred. My, um, 
my buddy that has lived in Colorado for a long time, the first time I'd ever visited him, I was still living in, in Chicago or, or even Iowa at the time where I grew up. And he, we were running uphill and I was really, really struggling and his dog was with him and he was giving me such crap about his dog being able to run like way better than me in any terrain. And so he, <laughs> he actually paced me in my first hundred up over Hope Pass and which is the big climb in the middle of Leadville. And, and he brought dog biscuits and <laughs> was like, he's like, come on, come on. He's like, my dog could run this faster. Come on, come on. And so it's like, if you know me, you know that like telling me I can't do something or, yeah. or just like, like mocking me because I'm slow will light a fire <laughs> under my ass real fast. Okay. So I, I want to talk about the, the treadmill um, incident. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. I mean, that's, that's, good, that's crazy. Phrase. I mean, that, so that was last year, right? Last November? November, my, beginning my of November. Right? Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, why oh first of all okay just so everybody like is aware so you you broke like three records on the treadmill yep. um you ended up running i don't know just for 24 hours on a treadmill and and broke three right records. Like, right I yeah mean, so we so the furthest distance run in 12 hours the fastest 100 mile time and the furthest distance run in 24 hours on a manual treadmill so a motorless all self-powered treadmill wait what okay that i didn't even like connect like yeah I, I saw a manual treadmill and i was like that just must be like the technical word for like a regular no treadmill. that is no no motor yeah. all so all human powered um i didn't even know they made them yeah so it's like a bean <laughs> it's like a, it looks like a little bean shaped um and you can kind of like step up and kind of pull back um they're becoming a little bit more popular but but yeah it's all human powered i don't so i don't know like is that worse that's worse right oh my god it's so so bad because <laughs> so it's terrible. all yeah it's i mean you with the normal treadmill it, to some degree you can turn your brain off and the belt still moves and you just do what you do with with the manual treadmill like if you turn your brain off you either fall off the back or you like speed up or slow down because the pace is completely dependent on you like you can speed up in a second you can slow down immediately it's it's there's nothing setting the pace other than you um and it's at a little bit of a curve so right. you're running, you're running uphill at like two to 3% for a hundred miles or for, for 24 hours. And so, Oh my God, I'm it, so glad uh, you explained that to me. Yeah. I... It, it got so much harder than I expected. I knew it was going to get hard. And yeah. what, what the challenge is kind of multiply when, when you're running in place for that long on a non-motorized treadmill and you're stepping uphill, right? So it's uphill onto like this slope and, and then you're, pulling backwards so it's a lot of posterior chain pullback um and a lot of hip flexor well what happens is eventually things get tired and things get painful but in a normal race or running outside you kind of have things that you can distract yourself with like okay i if i'm in a race it's like oh three more miles to the aid station i can do three miles and then it's like a little bit of a reset and then then you go well standing in place for 24 hours all you can really think about is how much things hurt yeah and so i I was challenged mentally more than I ever imagined I would have been. I knew it was going to be hard mentally, but I didn't realize that all you could focus on was everything that was in pain. And there was really, I, I had every trick in the book to, to try to pull out of my, my mental strength quiver and none of those arrows worked. And it was just like severe pain and like things hurt and just, you didn't keep moving forward. But yeah, so we, it was it was interesting because I 
I ran a pretty good first 12 hours. I think it was like 60 something miles. I, I have totally forgotten at this point. I kind of, kind of blocked it out of my brain because it was so 65, hard. Uh, 63. Six, there you go. 60. There you go. I knew it was like mid sixties. And then, yeah. um, hundred miles was at 19 something, 19 hours and 20 <laughs> minutes. minutes. Yeah. 52. Yeah. 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 And then basically from there, once I knew, cause the old record was set at 80 miles for 24 hours. And so once I hit a hundred, my brain was like all the pain kind of rushed in and all I wanted to do was just keep moving forward. And so those next four hours or whatever, I only got 14 something miles in because I was in so yeah. much pain. I was just like on and off cause I could get off whenever I wanted to, but the clock kept going. And right. so my only my only currency was time and how I spent it was like, okay, getting off right. and stretching out a little bit could could benefit you or just, you know, walking. So I, I kind of just walked it out at that point because I was in so much mental and physical pain that all I wanted to do was get to the 24 hours and those last four hours moved so slowly. That's insane. That's like, I mean, that's, that's like has to I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> I feel like you should be like in some sort of like a secret weapon for the government or something. Like, how did like that's like I don't know. I feel like you have some superpower, some like mental superpower that we could use. It's either that or I'm I have some more than two screws loose that I am just a little broken. Um, so so this is actually the funny story behind that. You you started off by asking you know kind of why yeah. um, the whole genesis of the treadmill thing was that I wanted a free treadmill. No, -uh. you did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God. So I, I, I was like, okay, like I, I have an old power treadmill and I was like kind of researching treadmills. I'm like, okay, like I, 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 I like the idea of like a manual treadmill. You have to work on your form. You have to work on your consistency of pacing. It's, it's a really, it's a hard running experience. And so I was like, okay, I want one of these, but they're really expensive. And I was like, okay, I wonder what I could do to convince a company to sponsor me and give me a treadmill. And so I started looking at a record. So I was like, okay, I think I could do that record. So I reached out to, to assault fitness. I said, here, here's the, like, here's what I'm doing. Um, would you sponsor it? And they're like, yeah, that sounds crazy, but we're in. And so they sent me a free treadmill. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Wait. So where did you do this? Yep. at your at your house or like no what? so i i did it in partnership um with a few brands and we actually did it in new york city um, mm. i live at i live at almost ten thousand feet up and high in the mountains mm -hmm. training up here and, and trying to do 24 hours would be a really bad idea okay. um so we did it in manhattan the 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 thursday before the new york city marathon <gasps> and so there was like a ton of runners in town and so we we did it in a in a lifetime fitness in downtown manhattan we did it right in the lobby right on the street front um, right in the right in the windows so th there was just a lot of amazing running foot traffic we had a we had a second treadmill next to me that people could just jump up and run a little bit no and we would chit chat and and it and it turned into like this whole amazing event we did it all for charity right so that was yeah. probably the most important thing that, that i want to mention is we like I did it for charity. We, we raised a ton of money for the Lifetime Foundation, which goes in and um, teaches healthy ways to serve kids lunches in schools. Oh, okay, um, cool. And so, so it was a really, really great way of raising money and raising awareness. And we got the New York City schools involved and stuff like that. And that was really, really cool. But, but yeah, downtown Manhattan, sea level, most importantly, <laughs> um, in a lobby of a gym. And I, it, it kind of had a little bit of a fishbowl because people would walk by. We had... yeah um they had put like lettering on the on the 
the windows that said like, hey, Don Reichel's doing X, Y, and Z. Like if you look in, you could see him. And so the people would read that and then look in and it was like, you know, because it's Manhattan. There's a million yeah. people walking by and it was it was pretty wild seeing all the people that just gawking cool. in. They could have come in, but they just stood outside. <laughs> I mean, I imagine there were some people that were like, what is going on? Like that just had no idea. That's so Yeah, crazy. especially people that were just going to work out at the gym like a normal right. day. And all of a sudden <laughs> right. we have... We have like a whole band of merry idiots hanging around in the gym and this dude's <laughs> running on the treadmill and like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> so where's the treadmill now? Um, so the two treadmills that that we did in New York City that that's actually at a gym. They 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 sold them to a gym in New York City. I, I still have one in my house though. The the original one that they sent me is still in my house. I still train on it um, oh. a couple times a week. Dude, how um, long did it take you to get back on that thing after you finished that? <laughs> That's actually a great question. And it was probably six weeks until I could yeah. run on the treadmill again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I've never minded the treadmill and that's again, maybe my mental power of just being able to block out the world and, and use my brain to, to do whatever else. And, and so I've, I've never really minded the treadmill. And so I even like right now, Colorado is full of wildfire smoke from mm. the Canadian wildfires. It's coming down. My whole valley has the air quality index is super high. It's like 200 right now. So I can't run outside. Oh. And I'm mm. back to training from Cocodona. I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to ramp up. And all I want to do now is run outside because it's we've had a really harsh winter and I've trained a lot indoors anyways. And it's like, oh, it's like 70 degrees and sunny. I want to <laughs> go out and run. But there's the AQI of the wildfire smoke is so uh. bad that I'm I'm back inside training right now. Um, on on the trusty treadmill. <laughs> so, are you really good at like just disassociating? Is that like what the skill is there? Just kind of like zoning out. Zoning out, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's probably why I'm so good at running flat, fast races. I could tell you that um, if I take my 2020 Tunnel Hill race where I ran 13, 16, I don't remember the first 100k of that race. Like the first, the first. 60 miles I, I i have like minor recollections of like hey i know i was running with these people i was doing x y and z i i don't like I, that race kind of just like boom i'm at i'm at 100k i'm at 60 something miles in and that's where like it actually started feeling like work for a little bit and then yeah. um so the the brain if you're just doing kind of one thing it's just okay that race works great because it's eight stations are pretty much always every five miles it's like okay brain off five miles, fill up a water bottle, brain off five miles, fill a water bottle, um, and go. And, and I've, I've been able to utilize that skill set. And it's one of the reasons I am not a great mountain runner is because I can't get into that zone, into that rhythm, because all of a sudden there's a flipping mountain in the way that I, have to right. and then I have to go down and then I have to go over rocks. Yeah. And, and I've, ne I, I've never learned how to really effectively shut my brain off on a, like a technical yeah. race versus a, um, the treadmills or a flatter, faster race, like a tunnel hill, I have been able to just shut my brain off and go. Right. Right. No, that makes, that makes sense. Cause when you get into the, the technical races, you have to pay more attention. You can't yeah. really just zone out or whatever. That's interesting. And I wonder if like anybody's ever studied like brains, like there's gotta be something in your brain that makes you able to zone out like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is. And yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a really great book. It's actually behind me right now. Alex Hutchinson wrote called Endure. Um, oh, and he, yeah, and he, 
But that's a good one, and it talks, and it doesn't necessarily get into the differences of shutting your brain off versus not in technical and non-technical, but it definitely gets into some of the elements of people that are able to um, even do things like keeping your hand in cold water longer than other uh, people. Yeah. And, and, and it talks, it talks about different, so it's, it's a really good read for, for endurance sport. Athletes. Do you think that, um, cause that made me think of keeping your hand in cold water or something like that. So do you think that is a skill that you can like train? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, just look at the, the world, everybody's trying ice baths right now. Yes. Um, right. I, I, the first time you get in the ice bath, it's probably in and out because it's so like miserable and it's yeah it's one of those things that the ice bath is actually really great because they're a really great example because it no matter how many times you do an ice bath it's still the process of getting in is still miserable right like like there is nothing that makes getting <laughs> in easier but once you're in you learn the tips and tricks to be able to stay in longer and your body adapts and your brain adapts so um you know, I, whether some people are inherently better at it than others, yes, I, I think that's probably likely. But everybody can can go from a a ten second ice bath to a three minute ice bath. I, I think that's that's super realistic based on just kind of training your your body, training your mind to to push away the pain. Um, it's 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 fascinating stuff, and and it's you know obviously Wim Hof has done uh, a ton of experiences and um scott carney wrote the book what doesn't kill us and that that's an incredible book too talking about the adaptation of the mind and the body into really hard stressful circumstances like cold and it, just good stuff to read for anybody interested yeah and it's also i guess it's um the experience helps you like figure out what tools work for you right like so when you're talking about the ice bath and you yeah it's hard to get in but like as you do it longer you you'd start to discover all these tools like um like mental tricks that you can use to yep. to like you know go somewhere else or whatever so i think yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah and i can tell yeah. you when i'm in my <laughs> ice barrel or, or an ice bath or something like that i I I can change my my mental like visual focus makes a difference on how I feel. So if I if I am focusing like in near field, like there's people around me or I'm looking at something within 10 feet of me, I tend to feel colder than if I look 200, 300, 400 yards out. Um, so it's like it, whether that's there's anything to that other than just I've I've kind of adapted that if I look further out, I can zone out more yeah. or as closer as not but there's just you learn so many different tricks of just okay this works in this circumstance and at the end of the day you learn that i can do hard things three minutes in freaking 35 degree water is hard yeah I, I don't care i don't care how many times you do it it's hard you can get better at hard things like running 100 miles or 200 miles but it's still hard like it doesn't yeah. get inherently easier to run 200 miles you just get better at dealing with the hard that's true. You get used to what hard feels like. I say that every time I start training again. I'm like, I'm just not used to what hard feels like. So yeah, yeah. Really and good. I think there's there's that other mindset that I use in my training, and I use it in my racing. Whereas, like, pick a pick a workout that you didn't want to do. It was pouring rain. You went out and you just slayed it. You crushed that workout. And there's always that feeling of, damn, like I got through that. I can get through anything. And yeah. then you take that to race day. It's like, remember that workout that I had a long day at work everything went wrong and i went out and i slayed that workout in the rain i got through that like, i can get up this stupid mountain 
And, yeah. and then you 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 have these like bullets in your chamber that you can fire of like, oh, I willingly put myself in an ice barrel for three minutes. I that that climb's gonna take three minutes. It's gonna suck, but I can get I can do it. You're right. And like all this stuff translates into real life. I think every almost every like track workout or hard workout I have, by the time it's over, I'm like, I have no idea how I just did that. Like thinking back right. to the beginning of that run, I'm like, this is this is gonna be off. It's gonna be terrible. And then it's over and I'm like, how did that all just happen? It's literally just putting one foot in front totally. of the other. Like, it's just like, you know, taking one part of it at a time. And I really do have to break up. <laughs> this is why like the hundred miles are so insane to me because I literally have to break up even like, you know, eight mile like run. I'll be like, okay, well, we're just going to do the warm up. Just go. You can do the warm up. You know, you can do the warm up. And then it's like taking every single step at a time and just getting through that. And once it's behind you, it makes the rest of it seem like less daunting because you've yeah. already done some of it. So um, well, that was one of the one of the unique things about Cocodona is 250 miles is so big. Even if you try to focus on 250 miles, it's impossible. Like there's just no <laughs> way you can you can do that. So I've always used this mental trick of there's this race where I grew up called the Big Seven, and it's um it's usually like the seven mile U.S. Road Championship, and it's an unbelievably popular race, and it's seven miles, and it's hilly, and I know that course like the back of my hand. And so I always think about like, okay, how many Big Sevens left? Uh -huh. um like okay three three to go it's 21 miles it's this three and then i can kind of visualize myself on that course and and then it takes me back home like i have an emotional connection i'm, I'm like thinking like oh like i'm just back home in iowa running through the streets of davenport and um so that's that's kind of how i i segment yeah. and instead of like oh crap 250 miles dude there's no way there's just no way yeah even, yeah even at the halfway point we came into jerome which is the halfway point and you're like 125 miles like that's yeah. insane like you can't <laughs> think around that no it's no. it's so hard and so that that was a difference where it was like the scale was so big it became really easy to just be like oh like i'm just out for a run in the woods with my buddy and then you know then when it became like 20 miles to go, it could actually, you could actually start thinking yeah. of, okay, like I can, I can mentally comprehend what's to come. Oh my God. How in a 250 mile race, do you not go like, I have this much more to go. Like, how do you not put yourself it's, in that place? I mean, it's just is, so hard. Yeah. Um, like you're 10 miles it, in and you're like, oh my God, I have 240 more miles. Like, how do you not get there? Yeah. So, it's, it's wild, especially that race because the first 37 yeah. miles is, like there's a there's a 25 mile stretch of that first 37 miles before you can see your crew. That's probably the hardest 25 miles of the entire course. Where you have like 11,000 feet of climbing, it just it tears your legs off because it's up and down and up and down on really loose, rocky, sharp terrain. And so like it would would have been really easy to be like, holy crap, like I'm dying and I'm 37 miles in. Like how can I go another 100 and, or 210, 215? um it's just, you kind of just don't let yourself think like that yeah all you think true. about is for me and, and i have such an amazing crew it's i'm able to be kind of like set that reset that carrot every time i see my crew so i saw them at mile 37 and then i was like okay i can see them again at mile 71 and then i get a pacer at that point and then oh uh, yeah so you're just you're just compartmentalizing it into mm -hmm. even though 37 and and then 71 are, those are big chunks to to yeah. run between it's still easier to think about than all right, I'm at mile 37 and I have 213 miles to go. Like how I've never run 213 miles <laughs> in my life. How could I even think about that now? Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's just, it's just 
breaking it down into yeah. what you know you can accomplish. I, at any point in my life, I can run 37 miles to this day, right? Someday that's not going to happen, but I, 37 miles isn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, 35 miles or whatever it was for the next eight station, not that big of a deal. So I can, I can do that a little by little. And then once you got to that point, the eight stations got closer and closer. And then it's like, okay, um, it's going to be a couple hours until I see my crew again. I can do that. And then you just, again, it's so big. It's an, almost impossible to comprehend that it forces you to think smaller which is a it's a huge benefit yeah it's a, it's a good skill to have uh in, in most things i think being able to break things down <laughs> for yep. sure um did now i always like to ask about um aid stations that were there is that a race that has like a bunch of aid stations like throughout oh, yeah it? yeah and so, they like, do such an amazing job <laughs> what was like the craziest or most fun theme like were they all themed um it's so it's challenging so i have i have my crew there and um we have my trucking camper and, and so i i kind of skipped most of the aid stations to be totally okay, honest yeah. because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I would go through i would check in and i would go to where my food my crew my setup is and and just sit down with my crew so i didn't spend a lot of time that being said the one that stands out was um fane ranch satisfy running had a whole little setup with the benches and um i got some pancakes there i think um which is really good but the one thing that the era vipa running does who puts on coca 250 is they they definitely it's it started by ultra runners jamil curry and he's he's actually a vegan so he has a lot of amazing plant-based options and i i don't eat meat so whereas a lot of aid stations in normal races you go in and it's like have a bacon have burger have like whatever <laughs> and i'm like i don't want any of that stuff so they they have they had a ton of amazing like veggie burgers and vegan broths and stuff like that so they just they do an amazing job of having something for everybody that yeah. no matter what you want, you can get through it and, and, and get yourself back on your merry way. Um, they, they just do, do such an amazing job. There, there are some areas that have like sleep stations set up for runners. I was able to sleep in my camper, which is obviously nice because it's the bed I know, but for yeah. people that, you know, nobody's running 250 miles for the most part without sleeping at some point. And they have cots set up and, ability to go lay down at these aid stations so it's just it's a it's an amazing experience to see it i don't i'm not going to say everybody should go out and run 200 something miles in a race but maybe volunteer at one experience it because you'll yeah. you'll see some amazing things and, and people doing something that they didn't know they could do at the beginning of the day yeah and i think that um whether you're doing a 250 mile race or not one of the things that this like highlights that I, I don't always think about is how amazing our running community is not just because of the runners, but because of the volunteers and people that support the runners. Like, I don't oh, yeah. know of, I mean, I'm sure there are, but I, just even for like an ultra or something like that, like you talking about people having cots out and the food and like, they just really care. And like, to me, that is such a, like, to think about that just makes me like, I don't know. It just makes me so happy. Like to think of yeah. all these people that come together to support you know, they may not even be runners. They're just there right. to help other people finish a goal. And like, they go to the, the, these like extremes to just make people comfortable or help them achieve something. And to me, that like just really touches me. I, oh I think gosh. that's so it's, amazing. It's it's so special. We couldn't do it without volunteers. And yeah. to your point, there's, there's people that aren't runners that just want to be a part of the community. And 
Uh, so I have an example of that. So I've, I volunteer with hard rock, um, and, and, and get back there and, and usually do either core setup or core sweeping. And, um, there's a couple, and I, I think it's, I don't, I can't forget what aid station it is that I've, I've met a couple of times now that like four or five years ago, they were traveling to the, that area from Indiana, not runners at all, but they stumbled upon the hard rock 100 and they're like, this is amazing. What is this and why? And now every year they come back to volunteer at the hard rock 100 and they're like making eggs and bacon and stuff like that. And they're, they, they've never been involved with ultra running. They're not runners, but they just know how special it is to be a part of that grandiose of an event. And now they just make it their vacation, the summer vacation every year to come back and volunteer. And so I know there's probably a million examples of people that have like aren't runners themselves, but it's just such a cool way to be involved with an amazing community. And there's something inherently special knowing that you help me get to my goal. Right. right. Like this is where, you know, volunteering is you're not just cooking eggs. You're not just putting out fluids and stuff. You're the you could be the reason that somebody finishes that race. Mm. And like I get emotional talking about this because mm-hmm. I've had so many volunteers that like have given me the pep talk that I've needed in really tough, challenging times that are like, you know what? Like you can do this. Like mm-hmm keep it going and they don't know me they've never met me before but they know that i woke up that morning with a goal and they're going to do what they can to make sure i accomplish that goal and that like and and every single one of them is like that and that is i've never met a volunteer that didn't wouldn't do anything to make sure you got to the finish line and it's just such a selfless thing to do of, of giving up a weekend going out helping somebody else accomplish something that you you won't even see them finish but right. you know that like, Hey, like you helped. And I, I just, I think it's so amazing and like volunteering. And I, the first few years that I raced, I didn't volunteer. And, um, I've started more recently trying to give back and it's, I get as much out of finishing a race as I do out of volunteering for a race, because it's just, it's a different kind of, uh, uplifting experience. So if you're listening to this, go volunteer for a race it'll be worth it. I promise. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just a thank you to all the volunteers that are out there and, and people just on the side, like of the course, like you said, just cheering it and like giving you words of encouragement. And it does, it makes me emotional too. And I I don't think about it enough, but I'm really glad that we're talking about it, but like, you can just be out on a race and like this stranger, you don't even know, like says something to you and you like, to me, sometimes I'll, I'll just be like, gosh, I wish I could go back and find that person and tell them how much that meant to me and how they got me through like yep. that part, because, um, you know, people touch you that, that, that don't even realize it. And I think it's so important to, for people to feel like they have a purpose and to feel like they have yeah. touched somebody's life. So there are so many times where during a race, like somebody says something to me or does something, it could be, make me laugh or like is out there like with music or something. And I'll be like, God, you just, you have no idea how much that means to me and to other people right now. Like, I wish you knew yep. like how much yeah. you mean to me right now yeah just yeah simple words of kindness when you're in mm-hmm. your darkest spot like it's just gosh it it i've there are races that like the kindest stranger just saying like hey great job like you're amazing like yeah holy crap like it's just the easiest like, most simple thing could change your race like yeah like because you get in that headspace of like i'm not amazing i'm struggling why yeah. like, I shouldn't, this shouldn't be that hard 
And then that perspective changes when somebody sees you doing something that they would never be able to do. And they said, oh my God, you're amazing. And then you remember that like, okay, just being here is incredible. Being able to do this is incredible. I'm doing something that most of the world can't do or would love to be able to do. I, I use this, this mindset of like, how many, how many people in this world are running from things that like you and I will never be able to comprehend war, genocide, whatever. Mm. Um, they're running from shit that they have to run from. We get to do this. Like I, I chose to wake up this morning and run. Like that is a privilege that I don't take lightly. And sometimes when, when somebody just simply reminds you of that, Mm. when you're at your lowest, it's like, damn, this is a privilege. I get to do this no matter what I'm feeling right now is something that I chose and and I'm blessed for that. It's funny before we started talking, I was listening to um, you were talking about the uh, backyard race that you did in 2019, which I think is really cool too. What a cool experience. Have you done it since then? Uh, I've done two backyard races. Yeah. So big backyard and then Ohio backyard. And I've had, man, that is a format that I can't figure out. And I think it goes back to, what I said before of like, I, I run best and I can just shut my brain off and that race forces you to, yeah. to not be able to do that. And it, um, it's, it's a race. I just, I haven't, I haven't figured out. I think I have the ability to run really far at that format, but for whatever reason that the mid 30 hour range has been the two experiences I've had. And I, I have to check out at that point. So oh, we'll see. Race. I, I mean, that's a race that even I feel like, huh? Maybe I could like, because like it, it, the concept of it is, is that, you know, it's four, four point something miles. Yeah, 4.16. 4.16 miles. You have to do, I'm like, it's so simple, but like, I'm like, when is it going to get hard? <laughs> like, that's yeah. like what I, it's like so interesting. But I do love with that too, talking about the community, how every lap you meet up again with the same people, you are all yeah. start, um, you know, you're all starting as like, I think in the interview, it was even something like you're the whole time you're running, you're in first place because yep. um, the only winner is the is the last yeah. person on there. So I, I think that's a really cool race. And I, I just well, wanted to mention it because I think it's yeah, like kind and, of a cool experience. And you kind of need the people around you to get through the low points. And it's it's amazing. So my my first experience at Biggs, I actually partially ruptured my interior tibialis at like mile eight. I tripped yeah. and fell and and had this this unbelievable painful experience. And I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna keep going. I didn't drive all the way to freaking Tennessee from Colorado to just drop out at eight miles. Um so I actually made it another 120 something miles on a foot that I wow. had like taped taped together and could barely use. And then Ugh. and so like dropping out of that was really tough and nobody wants to see you drop. And then fast forward to Ohio backyard, it was similar experience that I was running really strong. I felt great. And then I started hallucinating so bad that um, like I thought the whole forest was made of pants and I, I thought I was following runners and I wasn't, I would run into trees. And so we were about to go back out on the highway. And I was like, I can't, like, there's just no way I feel safe running out on the highway right now. And every, so I was in like, there was like eight of us left and every single person tried to talk me out of dropping. Cause I, 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 um, I refused to like not go out to the bell. Like if I, that was the agreement I made with my wife and my crew is like, I, I'm not going to retire in the chair. I'm not going to die in the chair. Um, so I, I would, I went out to the start line to go start the next lap with the people that were remaining. And I just kind of honored them all and, and shook their hands and congratulated them. 
yeah. before I drop. But like every single one of them was like, dude, no, like just start walking, just start walking. Like every, every single person tried to convince me to go back out. And yeah. I was like, I, just, I don't feel safe. Like I, I'm not running on the road right now. It's just not safe. And they understood, but like, it's just amazing that the camaraderie of like, dude, mm -hmm. like, no, like, just just walk to like get out there see everybody and i'm a competitor right they, like i'm competing with them like yeah if, yeah if i win you can't win and like that's like, that is what it is but to to be in that situation twice and have both times people try to convince you to stay in and, and because everybody knows you're there to get the best out of yourself and push mm -hmm. and so we're all trying to just like hey like let's push this a little harder and see and um, it's just, it's a really cool community of, of people that want to help you achieve your best on that day. Let's do these. Um, I'll try to make these like fast, like 20 questions. Cause I think, All right. I think these will be, be kind of fast. Um, okay. So first let's talk gear. If you could pack like three things for an ultra, what would they be? Only three. Uh, so that's so this is where my analytic brain goes on. It's like, well, how long is the ultra? Do I need a headlight? Do I need, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I would say the three most important things yeah. in an ultra are going to be a good fitting pair of shoes, a good fitting pair of socks and nutrition. Um, yeah. the, the rest you can kind of figure out from there, obviously like how you're carrying your nutrition. Um, uh, you need clothes. So I'm assuming that's not a part of the pact, but, um, if you can nail those three things, if you can yeah. nail your nutrition and then your foot situation, you should be able to get through any ultra. That's funny that you mentioned the clothes thing though. Cause I do want to talk about clothes and I believe it or not have had a couple people say that they have run naked before. So I want to ask you, have you ever run naked? Um, I, I had some streaking experiences back in high school, but not, okay. But not, <laughs> not because of the heat or anything like that. No. Okay. Um, what would be the worst thing for you to forget to bring? Oh man. Worst thing for me to forget probably some kind of salt. I'm a very heavy sodium sweater. So I've had actually my, my sodium sweat rate tested and I'm in like the 99th percentile of, of sodium extraction. So if I don't have extra salt, I could, I get cramped up or my electrolytes get so low. I just, I, I lose all interest in running. Um, so that's, that's probably the most important physiologically anyways. Is there anything that you've forgotten that you've had to like substitute out there or like borrow somebody else's, but it's not like your, your like brand or your like, like I think of gels, like if I, I have this certain type of gel and then if I had to borrow it, I'd be like, oh, this sucks, but I have to like. No, I, I'm usually pretty flipping anal about checklists and making sure like I have absolutely everything. The only okay. time I've ever almost run into that situation is actually at Cocodona. I left a whole, like a bunch of the socks I wanted to have in the dryer at home. And then we oh. drove to Arizona. Um, so I, I had to, to like source to figure out where I could drive within the greater, luckily it's in a city. So we're in Phoenix, yeah. there should be. So we were able to drive to REI and get some, some socks that, that substituted pretty well. Okay. Oh man, you left them in the dryer. Oh, it's like that sinking feeling. Totally yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was the socks that I was planning on wearing. And then, um, the, my half tight base layer that I was planning on wearing, but luckily I have like, I bring so many, when I drive to races, I bring, so many backups it was like oh well i don't have the thing that i was planning on starting with but i have right. three other things that i was planning on using anyway so i just you know move the line forward it's probably like your bus or whatever you take it's probably like my gym bag like i basically it's always packed 
like so yeah. so it's, it's just like i bring special things but like there's always an extra in there so totally all right let's talk about food okay what's the first thing you ate during the cocodona during the, the race first thing i ate so i that's tricky because I, I do primarily liquid calories. I use gnarly nutrition and um, ketones, liquid ketones from Ketone IQ. I, I use those in my bottle. So I primarily use those for the entire first, well, I use them in the entirety of the race, but I don't think I had my first solid calorie until mile 37 was the first solid calorie I ate. And I want to say that was, um, that was mid-afternoon. I, 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 I try to be like, if it's, I try to be kind of cognizant of time of day I'm eating and like what would I be eating a meal right now? So I think I had an avocado wrap, like a salted avocado wrap. And um, I'm really big on quesadillas. Those are, okay. those, are ma those are magic. So I, I, it was one of those two is either a salted avocado wrap or a, a quesadilla. Okay. And do you, do you have like a favorite post-race like go to like, I don't know, food or meal that you have? Uh, usually pizza. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm being, and I'll, I'll eat pizza in, in longer races. I'll eat pizza on course. I had a, I had a whole pizza at mile at the halfway point of Cocodona, like a whole like personal pizza, like a yeah. little mini. Um, but I just, I, I love pizza. It's an emotional support food. Yeah. Um, so it, it picks me up and then, yeah. So, so that was, that was that I forget what we ate immediately after, but, um, I'm also a big breakfast guy. So the day after a race, I'll go get, so we went to like a little cafe and I got a amazing breakfast sandwich and like the world's biggest cinnamon roll and, and put that sucker down. Nice. Um, what's the weirdest? Like, have you ever eaten anything super weird? I'm pretty boring, um, yeah. to be totally honest. Um, I feel like sometimes people weird. throw stuff at you. Like they just like have stuff and you're like grasping for whatever's there. So it's like, this isn't weird, but I had like a deathly craving for a popsicle at like coming into <laughs> Sedona. Like, like literally we were about to run by a Walgreens and I was ready to go in and Apple pay for a pack of popsicles because <laughs> all I wanted. And so I, I have never in my life had that big, that was the weird part. There was how like, <laughs> yeah, right, like, how this, my world is going to stop until I could get a popsicle. <laughs> and, and so I, I was able to, I had my, like my, my pacer had a phone and he called ahead. He's like, Hey, like, we're like 20 minutes out. Can you guys go get popsicles? So I got in and my crew had purchased two boxes of popsicles. And I put down four popsicles before I left <laughs> two, four popsicles and a veggie burger before I left. So I was, it wasn't weird because popsicles are amazing, yeah. but yeah, it was yeah, yeah. weird how like, like my brain could not comprehend other anything other than how badly I wanted a popsicle. You had to have a popsicle. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Are there any foods that you like hate? Like can't eat, like I can't eat pickles. I hate pickles. I I'm, I I'm with you on the pickle thing. No, absolutely. No pickles. I do not understand people that are like, ah, pickle juice, like, pickle juice. Yeah. Foul. Yeah, um, <laughs> really gross. Um, no, I, I, I should knock on wood cause I'm sure at some point this will come back to bite me, but, um, I have a pretty iron stomach. So foods that I normally like, yeah. Um, I will eat if I, if I desire them foods that I don't like, I like keep them away from me. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not going to, there's some people can eat sushi during races. Like, come on, oh. that's disgusting. Oh. Um, I don't like, I don't, oh, I don't eat meat, but I don't, I don't like, I, even when I was eating meat, I don't like fish anyways. It's just disgusting to me. Yeah. Things like that. Like, no, no good at all. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Vanilla. Really? Yeah. I'm not a big that chocolate guy. That me. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then uh, how about crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Oh, crunchy, super chunky. Like super <laughs> as literally I buy the, the, I don't even know what brand it is, but it's the, the, the model, whatever you call it is super chunk. Super chunk. Um, <laughs> it's like naturally super chunk. It's like very chunky. My <laughs> wife and I, my wife and I could not be more polar opposite when it comes to peanut butter. Oh, so you have to buy the two. Yeah. That's what we, we, do. Have, we have. I think we have three different peanut butters in our house because we have we somebody who likes smooth, somebody likes natural and somebody likes you know chunky so we have super chunk we have smooth and then we have a dedicated jar of dog peanut butter okay <laughs> so we also have three okay what okay now we're going to move on to like animals and experiences and i'll try not to make these too long i won't ask you the scariest encounter you have but are you scared of any animal like is there one like does one scare you moose Mo most of them uh, <laughs> oh, no 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 moose. moose oh i think you said most of them i'm like moose. me too no, no i um moose well i should be like a moose with a calf in the in the spring or whenever they have have babies like that that is the most terrifying animal at least in where i run in colorado i've i've run up on bears i've i've seen mountain lions there's a bobcat in my neighborhood that i see every once in a while okay um the animal that definitely scares me the most is coming up on a moose or startling a moose because they like the others will kind of startle and run away for the most part moose will kill you just to kill you and then keep like playing with your body there's just what when 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 they have children with them or i think it's a calf i don't know i don't know I'm, okay. my move my moose knowledge is, yeah. is small <laughs> let's just call it a calf when they have a, a, a baby moose a, a calf with them they they are very very protective and if you accidentally come up they will um they will mess you up so that's that's the one thing i'm i'm scared of tell can you tell us one one thing maybe that people don't know about you any any interesting like facts um throughout high school i played in a traveling banjo band um with a group of men all in their 60s or above and we played wow. at yeah we played at nursing homes you did oh, um, so we would go and like two nights a week go to different nursing homes and play like banjo music and so i would play banjo or a little bit of trumpet with that group not very oh many God. people know that almost no. nobody knows that actually what do you value the most about yourself i value how much i care about other people mm. um i think it's a value that i learned i was raised by a single mother working two jobs and my mom always took time to like if if there was somebody that she knew that was going through something that needed a place, like we would always bring them in, welcome them. Like I, I will sacrifice anything I have for others. And I, I think that's, it's taken me a long time to, to realize that that's a special trait, but it, and it, and it sounds, I don't know. It always sounds weird talking about it. Like I, I value that in myself, but, um, I, I love and care for other people. And I think everybody has a story to tell and I want to hear it and, mm -hmm. and, and, and learn from it. There's something everybody can teach you. And I don't, I don't care who you are, what you look like, what you've been through. I think there's, there's something to, to love and, and respect about every single person. And, and I want to honor that and, and learn from it. Yeah. I love that. I value that value. That's awesome. I, I value like empathy and anybody like non-judgmental, like just understanding that everybody like you said, everybody has a story and, you know, just trying to be understanding and about where people are coming from. I always like the idea of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like whenever you yep. want to be mad at somebody for doing something or would have just 
just like put yourself in the place that they weren't doing it out of ill will and like why could they be doing that 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 wasn't yeah. you know yep. so I, I really appreciate that too what um what do you value most about other people like what what inspires you um i i am inspired by people that are willing to try new things and and be willing to try something that they might fail at mm. without um without judgment right it's 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 hard sometimes, especially in this culture that we live in right now with smartphones and things like that. It's hard to go out and do something that you might be really bad at because there's all this fear of yeah. what if somebody catches me on, on their cell phone and they mock me? Um, like that's, that's unacceptable, right? Somebody is trying something new. I, I think there's, so there's this guy on Instagram, Joey Swole. Um, he's, he's a great follow because he goes out and finds people that are like mocking people in, in gym culture. And he like calls them out and like, he's like, this is unacceptable. We need to be better. And it's like anybody that's willing to put themselves out there that like, I think it's like people in this culture are making fun of people that are overweight and going to the gym. Like, come on, like, no, how can yeah. you do that? They're bettering themselves. They're doing yeah. something for themselves. Like, like who are you to, to judge them for that? Or, like mocking somebody like why would you make fun of a, like an overweight person at the gym that's the same as mocking somebody that's without a job that's going to you know the unemployment office or, right. or trying to like get an interview it's like anybody that supports other people um i love and value i don't have any respect for people that will mock people that are trying something that are failing that are struggling um it's just we we're all in this world we should all be in this together like if you see somebody that is struggling with something instead of pulling out your phone and mocking them maybe go over and say hey like i was new once too mm. like, let me let me show you how to do this and 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 speed up your your learning curve so i maybe i got off tangent there a little bit there but i i struggle with i struggle sometimes knowing that there are people out here that are trying something new or are afraid to try something new because they're afraid of somebody seeing them fail and making fun of them and yeah. that that's a world that I don't want to be a part of. And I want to, to, I want to be surrounded by people that will see that. And the first thing they think is how can I help that person? Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think, um, I also am inspired by people that are out there doing things be, and, and might fail because I think you can see those people and they're knowing that somebody could take that video or make fun of them. They're still out there doing it. And that's, yep. that's also, it's really inspiring to me too. If you could just leave us with, you know, like, why does running help? Like, maybe answer the question, like, um, how can running help? Yeah, I think I think running, it can, running is beautiful because it can be whatever you want it or need it to be. It can be mm -hmm. um, a mental outlet. It can be something that helps you get better in life. It can help you lose weight or overcome or just learn about yourself. And um, it's, it's, it can be so many things and it can be different for you than it is to me, to everybody else in the room. And so don't let anybody tell you that running has to be this, or, or you're like, I, I even say, don't let anybody tell you, you have to do X, Y, and Z to be a runner. If you run one flipping step, you're a runner that celebrate that. That is amazing. You're doing something that most people can't. So let running be whatever it needs to be for you don't try to pigeonhole it into like well my neighbor is a marathoner i need to be that screw that mm -hmm. do what you need go out run for your mental health go out run for your just health and fitness and and weight whatever that might be um let running be to you what you want it to be and don't let anybody else influence that and what i would say too is if like 
my my dms are always open my whatever if you have any questions about running if you want a place to start drop me a line i try to be the most welcoming and inclusive and educational person like if you want to know something i will answer it um i i love running it has given me more in my life than i'll ever be able to give back and part of part of my attempt to try to give back is like if people have questions or they want to know or want recommendations on anything i will do my best to, to answer in any way possible so um ask reach out do what you need and, and I'll, I'll help however i can uh run with don right run, with don. run yep. with don on instagram yep. and is that your main um social media outlet yeah i i i have opened up recently a, a youtube and a TikTok, all both under run with don i'm trying to keep my youth a little bit by exploring social <laughs> media some more um but yeah that or run with don at gmail.com um, okay if, you, if you're not a social user and want to just drop me an email those are definitely the ways to get a hold of me awesome well thank you so much again for your time i appreciate it good luck with everything that you have coming up i'll be following along and uh cheering you on from baltimore Awesome, Nikki. I certainly appreciate it. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to Don for joining us. Be sure to check out all of his latest adventures at Run With Don on Instagram. Please remember to rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and follow me on Instagram at Nikki Tamburino and Maybe Running Will Help for all the latest content. Until then, this is Nikki Tamarino, and don't forget to keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how maybe running will help. Have a great run, everybody. I hit record it, Jap, you can't ignore it I'm transforming now, these cars and planes, I'm always boarding Just out touring down in Charlotte like I play for Hornets When I'm performing, never boring, now you can't afford it Champagne, Perrier, finish friends on my face Looking like I'm from the D, D's no Cartier's Pockets deep, 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 bro, I can make it in my seat, bro Do you, I'm doing me, bro, making noise, use a beat, bro